On this episode of The Sam's Report, we talk about the new Lumias that are not the 950, Office 2016 came out, and hey, what the heck happened to Skype? This is The Sam's Report. Today is, what is today? Today is Friday, holy cow, today is Friday, September 25th, and the month, the month of September is almost over, and I am your host of The Sam's Report, previously known as The Redmond Report that we can no longer use. My name is Brad Sams, and yeah, let's get started here. So um, as usual, we're at a really interesting time for Microsoft. It's been a, I wouldn't say a great week for them. It's just been an okay week. Uh, reason why it has not been great, let's just kick it off. So Microsoft, big issues this week. If you woke up on Monday, and this should have been, been a, a key for everybody. When you wake up on Monday and something is not working that was working the previous week, it's not the the only rule, but it's a pretty good indicator that it's generally a botched update. And Paul and I had been talking about it and a couple others, and I, I said, my money's on. They tried to run an update on the back end, uh, which generally occurs kind of off-peak hours, so Sundays are good. And late Sunday evening, the report started coming in saying, hey, Skype's no longer working. What the heck is going on with Skype? And it persisted for quite a few time, quite a few hours, actually. And so uh, everyone was going, hey, Microsoft, this is kind of important. So what, what's going on here? Uh, what actually happened, what Microsoft came forward and said in a blog post, which they do very well, Microsoft should get the credit when something breaks, especially to this degree, they come forward and they're quite transparent about it. And they said, hey, you know what? We screwed up. Um, they didn't try to blame it on anybody else as a denial of service attack. They didn't try to say it was failed hardware. They didn't try to say anything else. They said, we tried to run an update and it totally killed the system. So at least good for them uh, for coming forward and saying these types of things. I mean, that's kudos to them. But at the same time, and I talked, actually got a chance to talk to a Microsoft engineer about this stuff, and his conversation was a little bit unnerving. Uh, they said, hey, it was a botched update, and they officially said that it did not work with some iterations of Skype, and it caused those versions to crash, and then when they were trying to relaunch the service or re-log in and all that stuff, it just it created a, a waterfall effect of didn't work with some versions, and then it just knocked everything offline. And essentially what one engineer told me completely off the record was that when they do these things, they do test them, which a lot of people say, Microsoft, this stuff never should happen. Why don't you test it? But it's there's so many different configurations of Skype out there and so many different hardware configurations that a lot of times they get to a reasonable assurance level before they push this stuff, which isn't too far um, crazy of an idea. But it, it's a, it is a bit alarming because sometimes it, it, it fails for them. And so in this case, what happened is that Microsoft broke their own system with their own update, and they said it was a larger than usual update. So let's take that for a second. Skype broke because they were trying to do a larger than usual update. Also this week, um, I wrote up, and thanks to Mahidi for giving me the tip on this, is that Skype missed their deadline for the desktop. A lot of commenters were, were saying I was wrong on this. On the desktop, Microsoft said that the messaging apps, which are going to be broken up into three components, it looks like, possibly messaging, video, and phone, would arrive before the end of summer. Well, the end of summer was this week. I think September 23rd was the first day of fall, or approximately around there. And we didn't have the apps. And so I wrote it up and said, hey, Microsoft, you missed your own deadline. They gave a nice little um, 
BSPR statement says, oh, we're making sure they're the best apps possible. The best apps, because that's what the Skype team is known for, is releasing the best things. Skype, you are not known for releasing the best things. You're known for releasing things that break half the time, comment or messages don't sync. You have random phones ringing and other all sorts of crap. So saying you're, you're waiting to release the best app possible doesn't really jive. Uh, but what I'm wondering is if this update over the weekend was actually related to these new apps, these new universal apps. And they were trying to install this update so they could roll out the apps, but the so they couldn't roll out the apps. So that's kind of a little bit of speculation on my part that the, the items might be linked together, but I don't think it's too crazy, especially because they specifically said that this is a larger than usual update. So there you go. So Skype had a no good, very bad week. And this has kind of been a string of bad two weeks. Microsoft, they pushed out a couple insider builds um, early, the 200 users, what we talked about it last week, accidentally got phone builds. And then HTC uh, users of Windows Phone accidentally got um, <laughs> got builds that were not running their devices completely useless, but it was not a good experience. And, and when you say it's not a good experience coming from Microsoft with Windows 10 Mobile, that's a mean, the layman's term means it's a garbage to shit experience because we've all had our bad builds of Windows 10 Mobile where just things are crazy. Um, I actually have two phones that I can't update. I've got to roll back to Windows Phone 8 to try to re-up, but anywho. So that was Skype. Um, no good, very bad week. And hopefully they don't have too much more of this because Skype is Skype is a really strong brand for the company. Now, for, for clarification on this, this topic, uh, Microsoft said Skype for business, which makes sense, was not taken offline. Uh, and the reason for that is essentially Skype for Business is not Skype. It is Link, just with a new branding and a new coat of paint. So the two, um, yeah, they're, they're two different services on the back end. But Skype is huge. There's millions. I think there's over 100 million users of Skype. It, it's some gargantuan number of Skype users, mostly because it's free, and for the most part, it works. And it's a cheap and easy way to make phone calls, uh, video calls, and all that stuff. I use Skype daily. Um, Blue Well Web, which is the parent company of Throt and Petri, we use Skype all the time. So we were down um, communication channel-wise. But again, other companies have these same issues. When Slack goes down, you always hear about it. Apple has their own stuff with iMessage going down. And so uh, I guess the really unusual part is how long Skype was down. And Skype really doesn't go down too often. Yeah, it has its issues and whatnot, but it rarely is uh, completely knocked offline like it was, especially for that many hours. And it wasn't just a small hiccup. I think it was around 15 hours or so, maybe even a little bit longer. So there we go. Let's move on from Skype. It's had a bad enough time. There's no reason to keep kicking the Skype horse while it's down. So what else happened this week? Although it was not a huge week for most people, um, if you're an Office user or you work on the Office team, uh, Office 2016 came out this week on September 22nd. And the really, the big takeaway from what is Office 2016 is it brings parity to Microsoft and for the most part, Google Apps uh, collaboration experiences. From That's just kind of the big takeaway. And, and there's some new improved search stuff. But um, for most users who go to Google Apps, their big complaint when they come back to Office or when they vice versa or whatever you want to call it is that Google bested Microsoft in the collaborative world, that it was easier to work with multi-users. And so that's the key takeaway here is that's what Microsoft fixes with Office 2016. If you are an Office 365, I believe it's home user, yeah, home and pro, um, you should be able to download it now. I think Pro Plus might have to wait a little bit if that's volume licensing. I'm not super 
great on the whole licensing aspect. Um, volume license customers will be able to access Office 2016 starting on October 1st, according to their blog post. One of the cool things Microsoft is doing is that, and this is kind of an interesting now that I think about it. So Microsoft is offering people who have Windows 10 and a prior version of Office, say, let's just say Office 2010, to upgrade to Office 2016 for only 35 bucks. Uh, that's really, really cheap. So if you have a prior version of Office, there's really no reason not to update. I mean, you get better security stuff, you get better collaborative experiences. And so Microsoft is doing that. It's actually really cool. The interest, why I find it interesting is that's less, that's cheaper than a year of Office 365, which is, depending on where you buy it, around 70 bucks. Um, if you are going to buy Office 365, I highly recommend you look around. Uh, specifically, just look it up on YouTube, or no, YouTube. We're on YouTube on Amazon because I've, I've seen it as low as 40 bucks um, on occasion. So there's some people who use it as a loss leader and whatnot and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, if you're going to look at Office 365, definitely shop around. Just don't go straight to Microsoft and, and do that. And Joel Jackson comments on Twitter. He says, I hate it when you're right. I'm hoping that he's talking about uh, the Skype stuff. Uh, but anyways, here, so anyway, before we completely jump off the Office 2016 bandwagon, um, it's out now, and I'm using it. I'm going to actually write some stuff off the Mac version on my Mac upstairs. has a lot of issues. <laughs> um, it's terrible. It crashes frequently, and I'm going to write something up and once I get some more concrete details on it, but I can't use Outlook. So hindsight, or what I do with my life, is I use the Office 365 backend with um, all my stuff. So like I have surfaces here, I have laptops and whatnot, and I use all this stuff. And um, so when I jump around machines, which I do frequently, it's just all there. And it really is a great feature. Like OneDrive, even though I complain about it, works. And so I just jump on a machine and I have all my stuff. I, I live um, in the cloud, web, whatever the hell you want to call it. And so I have a Mac upstairs that my wife uses. Um, and I use it for uh, testing Microsoft stuff that's only available on the Mac, including Office. And I cannot use Outlook, the actual desktop app or whatever the hell it's called on Mac. I cannot use it. It crashes. It crashes every day. Um, and it crashes multiple times a day. Same with Word, same with Excel, and I'm, I'm not alone in this, and it's becoming very frustrating because I can't use that Mac to go test out whatever, well, the new Office apps that came out for that for that matter. But yeah, so there's Office news. Uh, <laughs> actually, we're not done with Office, and then I'm looking at the show notes. So here's an interesting story that came out. Microsoft sued a recycling company for unauthorized uh, release or selling of 70,000 copies of Office 10. So it was what this company was, uh, con I believe, contracted to do by Microsoft was to recycle um, old box office type stuff, uh, just old office gear and whatnot. And so what they were doing is they were essentially just stealing the, the product codes and then reselling them. And so Microsoft is now suing this company and the information came out um, earlier this week. But it's just kind of one of those uh, interesting things where you don't think about people stealing software when, or I should say, when you think of people stealing software, you think of going to, you know, going to the web and whatnot and downloading from their favorite uh, torrent site, a new version of office or whatever. Uh, but this was actually people stealing it from the recycling facility. And so, uh, yeah, so they're getting sued, which leads me to 
another interesting story here. Uh, when I was in Redmond about three weeks ago, yeah, three and a half weeks ago, uh, I got a tour of the Cybercrime Security Center and I'll leave out the vendor's name because they weren't, it wasn't their fault, but I'll just leave them out. And they were talking about an ongoing investigation and they said we could write it up, but there wasn't really enough to write it up at the time. And I was going through the transition of Neowin to Petri and Therat and just didn't really put it down to paper. Nobody else really seemed to, but I think it's a very, very interesting story here. And it, and it has to do with uh, licensing numbers being stolen and how actually these legitimate keys get circulated out into the real world. So this is a very true story. It's an ongoing investigation, although it's wrapping up and I'm sure Microsoft is gonna um, go public with this information here in a little bit, but here's what it was. So a PC OEM uh, had their laptops being built in China. No big surprise here. They didn't say what uh, vendor, but just use Foxconn or whatever your favorite um, Chinese based laptop builder is. And so what was going on is as the machines were coming down the line, an individual or two individuals, I think it was two, but it was primarily only one, was writing down the serial numbers for Windows installs on the little sticker that's on the bottom of the laptop. So you know what I'm talking about? When you flip your laptop over, uh, you see that little Microsoft genuine sticker and it says, here's Windows and here's your key. So keep that in mind. And how Windows authenticates on, um, on laptops that come from a vendor is, so if you like reinstall, there's embedded on the, the motherboard or somewhere on the machine is an authentication code that goes back and says, okay, this is a legitimate machine and you don't have, and that's why you don't have to re-enter the product code when you reinstall Windows because it's just kind of built into the laptop. But what happens on occasion is there's a, a catastrophic failure with a laptop and that chip or whatever inside um, can no longer reproduce the key to authenticate the hardware, which means you have to use that key on the bottom of the laptop. And then so you punch it in and you get your, your install of Windows. So now understanding how that works, what this guy was doing was he was writing down all those keys because he knew that the rate of people who were actually gonna use that key was very, very low. And Microsoft has a percentage, uh, I won't say that, but they know how many on average um, of those keys are used. And what they do is they sell these keys, uh, they come in a big roll. And what Microsoft did was they looked at how many of those keys that are on the bottom of a laptop per roll of licensing bundles that they were selling were being used. And they came up with a percentage. But what they found was that some rolls were being used at, I think they said 98%. So 98% of the roll, which meant that 98% of the laptops in, a, in an honest world were failing and the consumer had to re-enter those keys, which we all know that a 98% fail rate of a laptop is not, it, it doesn't happen. And so what they worked back was that this guy was writing down all these keys. He wrote down, I think it was around 175,000 of them, um, which interesting aside, they said of those 175,000, only it was around 150,000 of them um, were good because he either, he transposed the key letter wrong. And so what this guy was doing was taking these keys and then selling them 
to another person for, I believe it was a dollar a piece. So if you're somebody in China, um, you, you made $175,000 from this stuff. It's a lot of money. Hell, that's a lot of money to anybody. I don't know, $175,000 is a great amount of money. And so what this guy was doing is he would sell them to another person who would take these keys and then they would create fake labels, those fake genuine Microsoft labels and, and then they would sell these keys and these keys made them everywhere. Um, they made them all the way to the United States and there's ongoing investigations about that stuff. But that's, that's a, that's how they were stealing pirate. That's how keys were being pirated that were legitimate was just some guy legitimately on the assembly line, just writing down by hand and how they figured it out. Um, let's see, how did they figure it out? Well, it's, they just started looking at the analytics of the fail rate and then said, okay, this isn't right. And then they were able to actually track it. And so what they can see is when you authenticate, Microsoft can tell where that key lights up. And so based on roughly your IP address or whatnot, they say, okay, this key started here. And so then they could actually, and they had this great, awesome visualization, which we couldn't unfortunately film, that, that tracked these keys from China to where they would go around the world and then be activated. And some of the people, and some people were being genuinely harmed by them um, getting bad keys and they paid for what they thought was a good key. But what they could do is let's just say, um, we'll just use Kansas City for an example. Just keep Kansas City in mind. That if a whole bunch of keys are being activated in Kansas City, um, like a gargantuan amount, then there's probably a good, a good idea about what is going on. And so what they found out was that uh, that there was an import there and whatnot, but um, uh, kind of a long story short, the reason why they found centralized locations of keys lighting up around the world is that because that guy transposed some wrong, they needed to validate that all the keys were correct. And, and real. So what they would do is they would validate all the keys, which would show a huge spike on Microsoft's charts and say, okay, right there, that's where they're clearly being imported. And voila, that's how piracy was uh, running extremely rampant with Microsoft. And this is the kind of stuff that they deal in their cyber crimes is so that when you buy a genuine key that you get one. And I, I just really thought that was interesting because you always think of piracy as, as somebody going to the web and grabbing this stuff. But here we have two examples of people stealing the codes essentially from a recycling facility and somebody stealing them directly off of the assembly line. And yeah, so that's that's when Microsoft says piracy, I think that's really what they want to go after, that industrial kind of um, corporate back, I shouldn't say corporate back, but like group backed um, piracy because they obviously lost a lot of money over um, let's just say 150,000 legitimate keys being used and most of them firing up and turning online. So there you go. I thought that was a really interesting story that Microsoft shared that never really went public, um, at least not yet. And I'm sure once they wrap up their investigations and there's a lot of other details that they didn't tell us and that I omitted because they asked us not to share. Um, but yeah, so that's the kind of piracy that Microsoft deals with. And then you also have the stuff like the phone scammers. That's not quite piracy, but that's uh, you know along those lines. So anywho, uh, on that interesting aside, so let's talk about phones for a second here. I, I alluded to last week that there would be another phone running Windows 10 Mobile that is not a Lumia. That is still the case. But um, 
about two weeks ago, I was told that there would be more than just the City Man and Talk Man coming in October. And I haven't written this up for reasons because it's it's very hard to get a grasp on because there's so many of these things that float around about what's going on. But some other information came out this week, so I want to I want to hit on it. Um, I should hopefully have the code name of the new phone here soon. But there's going to be there's at least another mid-range phone. Um, it actually showed up in some of the a duplex data, which is why I now feel a little bit more confident talking about it. Which it's going to be a mid-range device. Um, I believe it's screen size, screen resolution 720p, um, roughly a five-inch display, and hopefully I'll have an actual name for that device here very soon. And then there's also the 550 that has been showing up, which is going to be a low-end phone. So what will be interesting to see here is how Microsoft presents its information because general. Generally, they like to talk about their flagships, and then the middle-range devices just kind of say, okay, here they are. Um, because if Microsoft does talk about all this stuff next week, or two weeks, um, about 10 days or so, roughly. So it's coming up here quick. I got a lot of travel coming up, by the way, folks. Um, yeah, so it'll be really interesting to see how they position this stuff, which makes sense. They're going to have two high-end phones, and then a mid-range phone, and a low-end phone. And hopefully, I really hope, Microsoft, if you're listening, and I know you are because I can see where the RSS feeds come from, Please do not saturate the market with a million different variations of the same phone or slight variations. Nokia did this and it didn't work out so well for them. Uh, I think you guys understand this and it makes me happy, but please, please, please do not come out with the 550 and then four to six weeks later come out with like the 570 that just really muddles up the conversation because what what's nice is if you do, let's just say they have the 950, they have, let's just say, 750 and 550 and somebody comes to me and says brad i have 200 dollars to spend on a phone on contract what phone do i get i say here you go that's a premium phone they say i want a mid-range phone i don't want to spend a lot of money here you go 750 brad i just i don't want to pay anything for a phone i just need a low-end windows phone here you go 550 and that's it that that's a nice easy conversation to have rather than saying well is it going to be the 550 or you could wait like six weeks and get the 560 just please don't do that microsoft um i would be personally very happy if you did it twice a year you just updated the phones you know in uh let's just say june roughly or whatever may april may around the time of build you come out and say hey, you know what here's the 960 and here's the 760 and here's the 560 and just keep to that type of a cadence, keeps it clean, keeps it simple, keeps your marketing in line, makes the conversation super easy. So if you guys are listening, and I know you are, please, 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 please do that. Um, other phone news, Yes. Yes has some phones <laughs> that run Windows Phone 8, and they're basically bailing out and saying we're not gonna update them to Windows 10 Mobile. Um, they cited, I believe, it was a storage issue. And yeah, so no. Um, I always get a little interesting when you buy these knockoff brand stuff and these low-end guys who don't have the support infrastructure. That's the, that's the one thing you have to understand. When you buy a phone from Samsung or HTC, well, HTC is a little interesting now, um, Microsoft and whatnot, you know that they have the actual corporate backing to be able to support a device, software, hardware and software for the life cycle of the phone. Um, when you when you venture out into the low-end entry-level devices like the Yez or the um, I'm not sure what the blue or the other guys are doing or whatever um, Yeah, so just kind of keep that in mind that it, if you buy those off-brand it's same with the Android It's not specific to uh, Microsoft or anything. It's just Android has the same issues Everybody always makes fun of Androids for its lack of penetration of new OS. It's because they have um, so many 
odd branded phones from odd branded companies that just put stuff, put stuff out, hope to sell it, and then support is just kind of an afterthought. So just keep that in mind. And the other big news of the week, and this one will definitely be running a little bit shorter here, is the Band 2. Band 2 came out. Band 2. Well, I shouldn't say came out. Band 2 leaked. And so I have mine right here um, that I usually go running with. Although, because the battery completely died last time I ran, I haven't charged it in a week. So this is kind of another issue I have. Um, if I don't put this on the charger right after I run, if it sits idle for a week, it's going to die. Now, that's not completely crazy, but I don't know. There's a lot of things out there like Fitbits that you can just leave and sit forever. But I go running with that once, at least once a week, and whatever, it's dead. The reason why I don't wear it all the time is because... It's frankly, it's uncomfortable. I, I type for a living. Um, I write and I podcast and I do all of their stupid stuff. And so it's not comfortable to type with. And so the new the new band is slightly more rounded. It's hard to tell if it's aluminum on the outside, but it looks like it's the same rubbery material. And what they've done is this bottom part here is they've turned it into like two little dots for the sensor. What I don't understand is why they haven't put the heart rate sensor up under here. Um, and, and, and gotten rid of the awkward buckle part. Um, I don't know. So the band two should be coming out. It, it doesn't, I don't know how exciting it's going to be. It's just going to be another one of these uh, wearables. The pricing will be a big thing right now. You can actually buy a band if you really want one um, for a hundred bucks at Best Buy. So really, really well priced at the current time. But the band two, the band two pricing is going to be interesting. And, and Paul actually was kind of hoping he would have some information on it. And I bugged him about it. And he said, ah, nothing really too locked down yet. And it is hard to land this stuff. I've been doing this long enough. And I even get a little dicey talking about dates. Um, I have heard some Surface Pro 4 release dates. I'm not going to talk about them yet because it's these things change. They, they change so frequently. I've been saying October since July. But um these things change and they're hard and pricing is one of those things, even branding, it's, it's hard. Specs don't change, which is nice, but the, uh, the pricing. So the band one came out at 199. Now the market has increased with competition a little bit. I don't quite know what Microsoft is going to do, but I think 199 still might, might be a bit high, uh, for that impulse buy consumer stuff. Now the band one, they Microsoft granted will know better than I will. The band one appeared to sell very quickly. They sold through their initial inventory, but if they could get this thing to come out at like 149, at 149 would, would be a very enticing price point. 129 I think would be the ultimate sweet spot for a launch of this thing, but we'll see. We'll see what Microsoft has in mind. I'm going to be watching their pricing very closely, but um, we're, we're approaching, um, what I like to call screw up season with new products. And, and here's why I say that. So the band two obviously leaked out. Um, the Lumias have pretty much all leaked out. And actually on Microsoft's website, uh, the band two links started to show up. And this is what I call screw up season. Um, Microsoft is very well known for this. And they start loading things onto their websites and try to put like do not track links and try to hide them and put them behind restricted walls. but frequently and one of their biggest flubs ever was uh the xbox stuff for e3 i think it was two or three years ago like their whole site went live it was like a day or two before before the event and so there was no reason to watch their keynote um but keep them keep an eye on that if you're browsing microsoft.com more specifically where i think you'd see it would be the microsoft store 
um, keep an eye out for those links. And if you find them, definitely hit us up. Let Paul and I know. Um, somebody asked, is Windows 10 IoT confirmed for the band 2? So that's a good question. I don't, I don't know if IoT is going to be what runs on the US. So uh, the initial band actually does not run Windows. I, they claim it doesn't even have an operating system. It just runs on this stuff. I don't know. It's a little bit beyond my technical capabilities here. But I don't think it's actually going to run. I don't know. I don't want to speak. I, this is pure speculation. I don't know if it'll run Windows 10 IoT. I mean, I guess it could. It wouldn't be out of that. I mean, that'd be the right thing for it to run, I guess. But I, I do not know. I don't know what OS it's running, and I don't really know what other features. Paul, this is Paul has much better context about the band stuff than I do. I generally have better Surface stuff than whatever. We have our both our own strengths and whatnot. Um, so yeah, so the band two should be here. The question is, will it sell? Will it sell like the first one? The other question I have here, and I actually had a conversation with this about Microsoft, is let's let's think about their October 6th event for a second. So potentially on deck, we have the Surface Pro 4. We have potentially two Lumias, a Cityman Talkman, if not more. We have the Band 2. Uh, Windows Central said stuff about HoloLens. Um, I'm not so sure about HoloLens. Um, We'll see about HoloLens. But anyway, so where I'm, where I'm getting with, with all this is that's a lot of stuff, right? Uh, very Apple-like. I don't want to say that they're copying Apple because Microsoft does their own thing. But I mean, that's a lot of stuff for an event. And what's going to take what's going to take the headlines? So uh, Service Pro 4 is going to probably be the key feature of the event, right? Because that's uh, Service Pro 3, by all accounts, is selling very well. Um, every vendor under the sun is now copying it. Um, even Apple. Uh, we haven't really seen Google try to copy. Well, there's been some knockoff ones. Actually, take that back that copy the Pro design. But so the Pro will get the headline. Um, and something is going to give, right? Something is not going to get as much press coverage as it should if you launch all these things at the same time. And I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be the band. I don't know if it's going to be Windows phones because, to be honest, Windows phones are... Among its users and its small group of users are very high interest. Um, but as a broad scale device, they generally are just kind of like a man. Like they they sell maybe in the million million plural, singular. I should say. I don't even know if they get into the plurals. Um, but they need to, and these phones will be pretty cool because they'll have continuum and whatnot. I don't want to completely just drag them through the mud. But something has to give, right? You can only cover so much, and you can only devote so much time, and you only have so much, more specifically, so much consumer attention at the end of the day. So if they shove all this stuff out there, what's going to be the, the device that kind of falls to the wayside? So that's what's going on there. Uh, the Band 2, we got October 6th. If anybody else is hearing anything about it, uh, I'd be really curious to see what goes on. I think Microsoft is, is going to put on a good show. I've, I've heard some good things about what's going to happen on stage. Not quite ready to share them yet. Um, but I don't know, man. Like I get excited about Microsoft stuff, and I try not to be overzealous about them, and I do get negative about them um, as needed. But I think this is I think this is going to be a good event. I don't think it's going to be a, just kind of like 
meh type thing when we leave there. I think it's going to be a lot of good conversations, and I think it's going to help understand what's going on. Which, another thing uh, somebody else has brought up is what OS are these phones going to ship with? Somebody just asked on Twitter. That's a really good question. That's a really good question, actually, because Windows Phone Mobile or Windows 10 Mobile is not in the greatest shape. It's, it's much, much better than it was. For those of you who are in the Insider program, it's a lot better than it was. But there's still some significant room for improvement. And word on the street is that it, the City Man and Talk Man will not ship with Threshold. Um, I have a couple of reasons why I think that. Um, I'm fairly confident that the desktop version of Threshold will arrive in the month of November. At least that's what I was last told. And so Microsoft has to be producing these phones. I believe they're going to go on sale modestly quickly after they are announced. There's not going to be huge lag time because they want to get them out for the holiday shopping season, uh, which generally starts in November. So they can't be, you know, six to eight weeks lead time of this stuff. But anywho, you got to think about the process of actually building these phones. So they have to build them, right? And they have to load software onto them, and then they have to ship them across the, the world to where they're ever going to be sold. And yeah, and that takes time. And I don't believe Threshold 2 is finalized yet. Actually, I'm, I'm quite confirmed that it, Threshold 2 for the phone is not finalized yet, which means if they're building phones right now, they can't have the final OS. So it could be that when you get your phone, you might have to do an update on it, um, which isn't completely unusual in phone world or PC world anymore. Uh, but that's where these rumors of it, it may not be shipping with Threshold 2. And we'll see what Microsoft has, but uh, we'll see. That'll be a really interesting question. Um, thank you for asking, by the way. So there we go. There we go. Lots of stuff. Even though it's a slow week for Microsoft, unless you're an Office fan, um, there's always a lot of talking going on in Redmond. And this is why I like doing this stuff, and Paul will be around. Um, oh, Speaking of which, somebody asked, um, so I got a box of swag from Microsoft. Um, somebody asked what the clock looked like. So I got this clock from Microsoft here, which you can see. And it says, we all get the same 24 hours. And there's a Windows 10 thing. Um, I got this little fan. Hopefully, it's not blowing right on the mic. It says Windows 10. And yeah, it does a little dance. There you go. Um, and then up on the walls, you can see I've got big posters. One of the cool things about these posters, and probably giving away too much information about myself, whatever, is that the date on the clock uh, is actually my birthday. So Windows 10 was made for me. There you go. It's my fault. Um, other cool things, speaking of which, I believe Tuesday evening uh, in New York City, if you are local to the area, um, we are going to be having some sort of meetup. I'm guessing Mary Jo Foley is putting it together, so it's probably going to be a rattle and hum. I have a copious amount. I'm looking at them now. Let me just grab them. I have a fun bunch of stickers. Yeah, no, so we got the T-Rex with the claws. We got Ninja Cat. Uh, that's a large Ninja Cat. I don't know if I'm going to carry that. But I'm going to have a bunch of these stickers with me. So if you are at Rattle and Hum on that day, let me know. And I will definitely give you a sticker because I, I, I have bunches of them. And so if the person at Microsoft who sent these to me, I don't want to mention this individual by name because they'll probably get harassed for this stuff. And unless, unless you say I can, then I will certainly give you all the credit uh, in the world for sending me this stuff. Uh, but I will have those stickers with me. And if you would like one, just let me know. 
Um, I want to get rid of them. I want to give them back to the people who will put them on their whatevers. And there we go. So I think that's about it, gentlemen and ladies and every other life form that may or may not be listening to this. So this has been the Sam's Report for Friday, September 25th. Paul was out doing Paul things and was not able to join us, but should hopefully be here uh, next week. If you have any further questions, hit us up on Throt or Petri.com, or you can find us on Twitter at BDSams or at Throt. Thanks for listening, everybody.